This Wellness Couch podcast is brought to you by The Wellness Breakthrough. Three days and two nights with nine of your favourites from The Wellness Couch, all gathering together in Melbourne for one incredible event. We can't wait to see you there. Go to www.thewellnesscouch.com for details. Thewellnesscouch.com, streaming wellness into your lives. Welcome to 100 Not Out, featuring your hosts, Dr. Damien Christoph and Marcus Pierce. Welcome to another edition of 100 Not Out, a weekly show dedicated to helping you master the art of aging well. My name is Marcus Pierce, and I'm here with the aerobic Adonis, co-founder of the Wellness Couch and the Wellness Guys. He's Dr. Damien Christoph. <laughs> <laughs> Hello, mate. How are you going? You are the aerobic Adonis, aren't you, Damo? Well, does that mean that I'm not good at it or I am good at it? No, you are. You're the Adonis. You're like the Greek Adonis of all things aerobic activity. <laughs> or is that our guest? That's I think that's our guest. I think you got me confused because uh, the guy that we're interviewing today, he can just go. He can go. Now, I better, better say before we get into this wonderful interview, this episode is proudly brought to you by the coolest event of 2015. It's coming up close. If you're an urgency addict, then get on board the Wellness Breakthrough. Go to thewellnesscouch.com to check it all out. Three days, two nights of inspiring, life-changing, retreating with your favorite Wellness Couch legends. As I said, all details at thewellnesscouch.com. Now, yes. Damo, yep. just get a bit of this. We're going to shoot over to Perth to speak with a truly a phenomenal human being. If you're going for a walk right now, listeners, or you're going for a run, or you're just on the move somewhere, and you're listening to this, I want you to think of this for a moment. Imagine doing a block of your local neighborhood, let's call it an 800-meter block, over and over and over again for not a day, not a week. I'm telling you to do it for 18 hours a day for seven weeks, to do it a lazy 5,649 times. Just have a go at getting your head around that, and you'll no doubt have an enormous amount of appreciation for our guest today. Hey, MP, MP, yes, yes, that, that reminds me of you doing 100 push-ups and then swearing at the Facebook fans. <laughs> <laughs> you know, my, efforts were, were, my efforts were just a minnow of a mountain compared to Grahart Cunningham. Grahart wow. Cunningham won the 2012 <laughs> Three Chin Moy Self-Transcendence 3000 100 mile race. He did it in New York and he's been crazy enough to run it four times. He is the author of a fabulous book called Running Beyond the Marathon Insights into the Longest Foot Race in the World. And he's been good enough to join us on 100 Not Out today. Welcome to the program, Grahak. Thanks for having me, guys. <laughs> Grahak, your, your efforts are incredible. You Just tell us about this race, first of all. What is the Sri Chimnoy Self Transcendence 3100 mile race? And, and tell us a little about Sri Chimnoy for those that don't know. All right. Well, he started the, the race in 1997. Uh, he was a, a meditation and fitness advocate, um, and he really saw that if you combine the two, you can really have a, a fulfilled and, and happy life. And the idea of the race is that it really shows the limitless potential of the, the human spirit. His marathon team that he, that he started does a lot of fun runs like two mile races 10ks marathons and so forth but i guess he he stepped it up a little bit when he started the ultra marathons that that his team puts on and uh you know i was fortunate enough to hear about the race many years ago and and as soon as i i heard about it my interest was really sparked um the rules are you're given a maximum of 51 days to complete the 3100 miles which is just about 5,000 kilometres and yeah like you said you run 
from 18 hours a day. So you start at 6 a.m. and you finish at midnight. And you just keep running around this small block in Queens, New York. It's really a, a school block with a baseball field and some basketball courts at, at the end of it. And the idea is you just use your your concentration and your focus and, and your determination and, and try and stay really happy and cheerful and, and get to your, your goal of, of finishing. And it is a race, but you're really competing with your, yourself for the duration of it. Now, Grahak, there were people wondering why we've got such a young buck on uh, on 100 Not Out, and it's it's clear that you've got wisdom beyond the ages, and we're looking forward to you know drilling into that. But one thing goes through my mind that you know, you're running for such a long period of time that you've got to have massive intestinal fortitude to be able to do that sort of thing. Now, understanding that Sri Chinmoy, uh, being a spiritual leader born in Bangladesh, um, into dying in 2007, he, he made people swear against meat or off meat. You can't have sex if you're not married. You're not allowed to do drugs and have alcohol. And, um, and, and one of his things was that he placed significant emphasis on feats of physical endurance as a path to self-awareness. Do you have to do all that as well? Well, I, I do because I follow his um, teachings, if you like, so I incorporate yeah. uh, the spiritual side of life into my daily life and I practice, practice that mm-hmm. and I also incorporate his suggestions on uh, physical fitness. So from a, a daily point of view, he recommends that you do 20 minutes, half an hour exercise a day because um, it really helps your your body stay healthy and helps your your general happiness and feelings of goodwill and well-being to to the world. So yeah, I I, I do those things. I'm vegetarian. Um, like, so in the race, I don't have any any meat at all. Um, yep. I find that that's easy to to digest anyway. And, yep. uh, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, I lead quite a, a disciplined life, I guess. And, Obviously. Yeah, yeah, that's great. So the extent to which drugs um, are in here, are we talking um, recreational drugs only? Are we talking pharmaceutical drugs? Is he very much of a spiritual um, approach to life that would um, allow the body to heal um, and that it, the power that made the body heals the body? Is he, is he more along that line or is he saying that pharmaceutical drugs and pharmaceutical intervention is okay? What, what's your take on that? Yeah, he said, like, if you prescribe something from your doctor, obviously keep taking it. But he said taking, um, because he came to the West in the 60s and um, so people were kind of, I guess, seeking a little bit in that um, that era. Where a bit more enlightenment or, you know, expanding their consciousness. Yeah, they're experimenting <laughs> a bit with, <laughs> experimenting a bit with um, you know, illicit or recreational drugs. And he said, you know, this isn't the right way to going about transforming yourself and making progress you actually damage your your um your body and so he, he had to be quite um you know upfront with that and say that it's, it's no good and he also says the same with alcohol it's good not to not to drink as well um the idea is that um we've got this body for this lifetime and we have to really um look after it and and keep it uh like a, a receptive vessel so he says the heart and the soul is like a uh a shrine and the yep. body's like the temple around it or the church around it and if you if you damage the the temple um then the shrine can blow away and it gets weathered and that sort of thing so he says to really look after your after your body and, and treat it like it like it is something special Love it. nice now this Love is it. i mean listening to you talk Grahak, there's no doubt that you've obviously done a lot of work on your 
on your spirit, your soul, your faith. This is something that, you know, I'd love to really ask you a bit more about. From what I can tell, um, you grew up with parents that were, I suppose, just, you know, traditional Australian uh, family, but your mum was into uh, yoga. And then from what I've learned, when you were in school, you started to um, get into meditation with, with the stress of high school and the rest. Can you kind of just give the listeners um, an idea of, of how, you know, this came to pass? Because clearly it wasn't an overnight you know, epiphany. Um, how did you get to this point, I suppose, of, uh, for want of a better term, spiritual awareness? Um, for me, the, the word meditation always kind of sparked some kind of interest in me. And yeah, I was lucky enough to start when I was at, at high school, just with the stress of exams and, and that sort of thing. And there was a lady at the local um, hospital giving some classes. She had a, an illness and had managed her meditation through that or turned to it through through her sickness and she was sharing her free classes and thoughts and so forth on, on meditation. So I started um, really trying to do it on a regular basis at a, at a pretty young age and um, and I tried to keep at it as best I could and as I um, got a bit older I eventually, I think when you're looking for something, um, as the saying goes, the path appears or the teacher appears and and uh, in, when I was at university and, and 18, 19 years old, I, I started reading about Sri Chimoy and hearing about him, and I really loved sports. It had always been something that I'd, that I'd got a lot out of in my, in my life, and, of course, I started to really get an interest in, in meditation and um, started to kind of wonder a little bit more about what, what the the goal of life and how can I become a better person and, and progress along life's road and and started to take it more seriously and got a lot of joy and fulfillment from it and um, yeah it's something that I've done from from quite a young age so I meditate every morning not for too long I just do uh, 20 minutes half an hour and then I do the same in the evening um, but you try and incorporate that idea of being in in your heart and uh, as you go about your day and your work life and as you interact with people um and i, I just find i get a, a lot out of it i really think it would it's really the the answer to, to life's questions and problems and uh, and it really helps you develop as as an individual and 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 Tree Chimoy was a great example of that so in everything he did his music his art his sport uh, his writings he tried to imbue it with that that meditation and it really uh, uplifts you when you listen to things or read things uh, by people who, who have meditated it kind of lifts you up uh, which is nice yeah totally it sounds like you have been lifted up which is uh, which is gold mate now um, you say in an article that uh, both Marcus and I read that um, you were asked by Sri Chinmoy whether or not you'd done his longest race and you felt that at that point he was giving you some kind of indication or a bit of a clue that you probably should go and do this. Now, you went and did it, um, which is amazing. It's a massive race. But for everyday people like Marcus and I, we might go for a bit of a run, feel a bit sluggish for the first kilometre, maybe 2Ks, maybe 500 metres for Marcus. Um, <laughs> <laughs> then we, we hit our straps and we're home after 5Ks. You know, we feel like we've just... You know, we feel amazing because we did 5Ks. Um, we're pretty happy with our efforts and, um, you know, that's all good. But what's it like starting a race knowing that you've got 5,000 kilometres in front of you? Yeah, it's quite daunting. When you when you start on that first day, um, there's so many mixed emotions. You're, you're nervous and uh, you're tentative and a bit almost fearful. But then you, you begin and it's like a lot of those things, things drop off. Um, and it, it is really 
physically arduous the, the race because you're just uh, really suffering from lack of sleep and um, quite the surface is a footpath which is really hard and difficult to run on and of course you're just going around a block so you have to um, I think draw on those capacities that we've all got and, and try and um, you try not to analyse things too much so you don't think oh god I've got 5,649 laps of this block to do. You try and just set yourself the shorter term goals. And it's a cliche, but you try and um, think about the next hour and how many laps you want to do. And and if you do find yourself uh, getting depressed about things, then you, you're doomed to a bad day. So you try and stay really happy. And um, you do chat to the other runners, but you are running largely by by yourself. But you just really stay focused on on your your task at hand and, and stay cheerful and then you have a really um, nice experience out there rather than a than a difficult one so that's the, the secret of it but sometimes I struggle going for those 5k runs as well I went for one yesterday I just wanted to go home when I was out the door so we all suffer from that problem <laughs> but it would have been like almost 50 degrees in Perth so that's fair enough <laughs> well Huck I've got to ask you when you from what I can tell is it only about a dozen people that enter the race yeah, there's usually um, a field of about 12 to 15, so it's, it's quite small and, and um, there's a lot more people who want to enter it, but it's, it's quite difficult for the organisers to um, to manage more people than that, so they, they keep the, the field, you have yeah. 12 to 15 international runners, that, um, a lot of uh, Eastern European runners and I think this, this year there's an Irish runner. Nice. I reckon Carmen Atkinson would love to do this, right? Yeah, yeah. We, we'll send this. We'll make sure Carmen listens to this. But Grahuk, I want to ask you about that. Just, just this is just a curious question. It doesn't really mean much. But when you're doing these, you know, four thousand laps and all the rest of it, but are you just going for a run because there's only twelve of you. It's not like a marathon where there's barricades and everything else. You're just running, and people would actually have no idea that you've run three thousand kilometers, and then you've done four thousand kilometers. I mean, people would they just be looking at you thinking he's just going for his five k run? Um, there's the, the the race is held around a, a so it's a school block and the kids there's a lot of kids going to the school it's summer school and uh, they're they're pretty much like most teenagers they don't I don't think they know what's going on around them they just chat amongst themselves <laughs> and, and, uh, it's and, like fish fish in a pond <laughs> yeah fish in a pond but they're really nice you know sometimes they'll they'll cheer on one kid brought me canteen food one year but yeah most people are. Most people, I think, don't really know what we're we're doing around there. They perhaps think it's a marathon, and and it is open to the public. The course, it's not like we're cordoned off. So sometimes you're going zigzagging in in and out of people. Um, Back to work, and you're going to school and doing all those things, racing for a train, and you're kind of weaving. It's not yeah. like a normal race, is it? No, no, you're kind of weaving through them. So these kind of peak hour times, the course can get quite quite busy. So mostly people, um, I think don't know what we're doing but then um, many of the locals around the area um, they, they do know what we're doing they, some of them get really inspired and will come down most days and watch and so there's a bit of a mixture there I want to ask really quickly because there's two things that come into my mind you're running for 18 hours right so you've got to start you've got to eat so there's the food question but then what goes in must come out so <laughs> I've got to ask this <laughs> And it'd be wrong if I didn't, because this is I'm known for this. So I have to tell you, Grahart. But so, can you tell me how do you eat, and then do you get to stop, or do you just have to void as you're running? <laughs> um, so the the food's brought down by a team of cooks, and um, like 
very presentable in a nice kind of alfoil takeaway container and I just get it um, dumped into these plastic cups so you can eat when you're going around the course. And there's a couple of little, um, they feel like massive mountains, but they're just small risers on the on the course. So if you walk up them, you can gulp a few mouthfuls from your, from your cup and it stops you eating too fast. And then um, there's the other part's not that exciting. There's just those kind of builder toilet blocks that are... Um, in a certain spot around the course, so that's where you, where you go. So that's a, okay. So it's yeah, it's uh, it's you do get to you get a bit of private time. Yeah, yeah. You get some private time. Some people fall asleep in there, and <laughs> it's uh, pretty cozy in there some days. <laughs> now I want to ask you about the pain. The people that really want to know about this, you know, the spiritual side of this. This this freaks me out because you've got the physical pain, but you've obviously got the mental, and the there's got to be some real spiritual really like the the fight within must be massive that inner fight i'm sure you go through peaks of euphoria and turmoil and can i do it and yes i'll do it and obviously that's why it's called the self-transcendence race but can you just give us an insight as to you know how you go through those peaks and troughs both physically mentally and spiritually yeah so well in the in my first race um in um that i did in 2007, I'd really hadn't been in that much pain before in my life. It was extremely agonising, and those first couple of weeks, your your feet swell up a size and a half, and just the constant jarring on the cement. Your knees swell up, your back hurts. You can't sleep properly at night because um, you're cramping up and dreaming about the race and and that sort of thing. But it's uh, it's something that you just apply. You never give up attitude too and you keep trying to I guess go beyond it and stay happy and eventually um, you turn a corner so in that first race it took me three weeks before my my body started to really adapt and swelling dissipated and um, the pain levels decreased and and as I've got stronger each time I've I've done it um, it's probably been less than that so sometimes it takes 10 days and you get used to the routine and the and the pain, but it, it really is difficult physically. Um, just the constant bashing on the on the cement. Um, but nobody's got any permanent injuries from it, and you do get stronger as as the race goes along. And it, really, it's the same on a, probably a, a bit greater level. But it's the same when you challenge yourself in anything. So your your mind saying stop, give up, or this is too hard, and and turn around, go back. And but if you keep applying that attitude of, of not giving up and, and persevering, then eventually it's like the clouds clear or you you, you start to realise that you can reach your goal or if you have a bad day, you think, oh, next next tomorrow I can do do better. And So you always try and see the, the positive side of it. But of course, it's not always easy and, and you do go through those those difficult times and, and it is like a bad day at work. You look at your, if you have a bad day, you look at your, watch and wonder when the day is going to end and it seems like everything time's going so slowly um little problems seem like like big mountains and and as a result um your performance suffers so you do less mileage so you really have to fight your way out of those those holes and and try and stay on on top of things and i know this is called the uh 100 not out and there's a lot of people a lot older than me doing the race um i think I think a couple of years ago a guy started and he was, and he was 60. So there's wow, that, that's that good. type of attitude as well that it doesn't really matter um, how old or how, how young you are. You can always um, transcend yourself, try and 
go beyond what you think is, is possible and, and try your best and, and that's when you can achieve really great things in yeah, your life absolutely. and hopefully for the world around us. Great parallels, mate. Great parallels. Hey, um, Grahak, now speaking to you, you sound like a full-blown Aussie. You grew up in Geraldton, uh, well, sorry, Bustleton, Busso. In, uh, I was thinking Geraldton because that's where Lawrence used to live almost um, in, from, from the wellness guys. He lived in Mindari, which is South Geraldton. And, um, and so I... Uh, when I hear the name Grahak, I think, no, nah, this guy sounds like a Stewie. It doesn't sound like a, a Grahak. So, but, and in the translation of Sanskrit is that uh, Grahak means eagerness. How did, you, um, how did you get to that point? Is that just somebody give you that name or did, is that sums you up? Uh, yeah, so with the path that I'm on, I'm reaching my, at a certain point, um, there's no fixed time of time. Like some people get a spiritual name after couple of years some people take 10 years 20 years but um so he'd meditate on the individual and he, he often called it the, the soul's name so um the predominant quality that that i've got is eagerness so um that's my main quality that i, that I try and manifest i guess for other people uh, like i've got a friend whose name means awaken powerfully so each people get a spiritual name and it describes their their inner qualities that that exist within them, um, in perhaps greater qualities than than, than others. So, so we've got a mutual friend called Anaba, and I know her name means uh, lightning speed. So nice. Mm. I'm going to be Grahak. I'm Grahak Pierce. Yeah. I love eagerness. I'm all over eagerness. How do you put very very at the front of Grahak? <laughs> like or incredibly eager? <laughs> That's MP. Very Grahak Cunningham. <laughs> That's great. I love it. Oh, Grahak, this has been awesome. No doubt inspiring for every single one of our listeners. Thank you so much and, and well done. Just before you go, I've got to ask you, are you going to do this race again? You've done it four times. Are you going to crack on for a fifth? Uh, I think so. It's, um, my name is actually down for, for this year's event. Um, so hopefully I get to the start line. It's probably one of the hardest things is, is is getting there and lining up for a start, but but I am I am, have entered for this year. I think it starts in June, mid June. So hopefully I get nice. there. Yeah, you'll get there. Well, uh, everybody, if you've loved this interview, go and buy Grahak's book, Running Beyond the Marathon: Insights into the Longest Foot Race in the World. Uh, you can check out his website, GrahakCunningham.com. Grahak, thank you so much again for joining us on One Hundred Not Out. And as we always like to say, may the rest of your life truly be the best of your life. Thanks, guys. Thanks for having me. No worries. Damo, thank you so much again for your wisdom, great man. That is it for this edition of 100 Not Out. Remember, folks, we would love to hear your feedback. You can provide it in any number of ways. The best is to go to our website at www.thewellnesscouch.com forward slash 100 Not Out. Remember, we now have 11 podcasts on the couch, so go to the couch to check out the entire range of wellness podcasts available, including the number one show, The Wellness Guys. So until next week, as always, continue to make the rest of your life the best of your life. Hi, it's Damien Christoph here. 2015 marks perhaps the most important event the Wellness Couch has ever conducted. We've had two sold-out wellness summits these last years, but honestly, nothing will come close to our first ever wellness breakthrough. Your favourite Wellness Couch experts, the Up For A Chat girls, Quirky Cookies Joe Whitten, Stu Hayes, Marcus Pierce, and of course the Wellness Guys are all gathering in Dandong Ranges for three days and two nights for one incredible event. If you want 
possibly the greatest peer group in health and wellness to help you catapult your life to the next level, then we'd love to see you at the Wellness Breakthrough in February. For more information, go to www.thewellnesscouch.com. Whilst the Wellness Couch presenter endeavor to provide accurate and helpful information to their listeners, these podcasts cannot take into account individual circumstances and are not intended to be a substitute for health and medical advice from a qualified health professional. You should always seek the advice of a qualified health professional before acting on any of the information provided by any of the Wellness Couch podcasts.